Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Sophie. Welcome back to our weekly podcast. Last week, we had a very interesting podcast on attention. Look, I almost forgot. I didn't keep my attention. On attention, it was very interesting. We learned a lot of great things about attention, that there's good attention, there's not so good attention. There's ways to learn how we pay attention. So taking a self-assessment or self-scan. We had a wonderful expert on there with a lot of tips and a lot of great information, a good website, lots of books to show us how we can strengthen our brain and pay attention longer and better and be able to use those tools in all areas of our life and also the role that music and other little tricks will play to help gain our attention and deepen and strengthen our attention as we go forward. So really great information. This week's podcast, as you know, and all of my other podcasts are available on iTunes as you can download my phone app, which is actually free. And it's got a ton of information on there, but all the podcasts are there as well. I'm always available to you at one 767 4966 or on my website, www.drsophie.com. This week, we are talking about shame. Shame on me. I want to know, and that's why we're bringing on an expert, what and when and how and why do we experience shame? What causes shame? What might be the incidents that trigger two people to feel different amounts of shame? Why and where do we use shame in parenting and discipline? Is it ever good for a parent to shame their child? We're going to get the answers to a lot of this. Joining me now is Dr. Joseph Burgo. He is a psychotherapist for over 30 years, holds a license as a marriage and family therapist and a clinical psychologist, earned his undergrad degree at UCLA, yay, the Bruins, and his master's and doctorate at California Graduate Institute in LA. He's got a ton of stuff. He's a psychoanalyst. I love psychoanalysis. He's going to tell us all about him. Are you with us, Dr. Burgo? I'm here, and thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us and giving us your time. I know you have a short amount of time today, so I'm going to pick your brain. Tell me a little bit about you, and then we're going into shame. Well, as you said, I'm a psychotherapist. I've been practicing for 30 years. I started a blog um, about two and a half years ago where I write a lot about shame and narcissism. And I have a private practice that's mostly by Skype now, ah. with people all over the country and all over the world. I love that. I'm, I'm actually trying to introduce Skype into the foster care system, into treatment for family reunification, because that's uh -huh. been a huge barrier why kids can't get back to their family. So I love that. Does it work good for you? It, it is. It's been a real eye-opener. It's surprising how effective it is from Good. my experience. Love it. Okay. So what is your, the name of your blog? It's called After Psychotherapy. Um, it's afterpsychotherapy.com. I also have a blog about shame on psychology today. Very nice. So tell me what your take on shame is. Well, I think there, there, are, really, there are different types of shame, and it's, it's useful to try and distinguish them. Please. Um, the first type I think of is social shame, and it's the way society enforces certain types of behavior and codes of morality. Um, and you can see it shifting. For instance, you know, 30 years ago, shame was used to suppress homosexuality. Now that's shifting. Shame is lifting, and it's becoming more, you know, it's not fully accepted, but it's much more acceptable. Right. Then there's the kind of shame that John Bradshaw wrote about, um, in healing the shame that binds you, the kind of deeply toxic shame that parents inflict upon their children during their upbringing. Okay. And most people, that's what most people think about today, I think, when they think of shame. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, the third type that I write about and that I'm writing a book about is something that comes earlier. It's, it's a little bit difficult to understand, but just bear with me. But the way I think about it is, is shame is the awareness that in your earliest upbringing, things went seriously wrong. 
you didn't get the kind of parenting, the loving attention, the holding environment that you needed. And there's this, this awareness that you're, well, you know, you're screwed up. It went wrong. And it's not because someone shamed you. It's not that you should feel ashamed. It's just that you do. Why, though? Because you're just becoming aware? I think it's biological, almost. It's, like, it's the felt awareness that things didn't go right. Now, there's been a lot of neurological studies that have been done recently that show that in the first couple of years of life, if children aren't in the proper environment, they don't get like the maternal resonance and mirroring, their brains don't develop normally. They have fewer interconnections between the neurons. Parts of the brain are smaller. You know, it's like brain damage in a way. Right, and then you kind of become aware of that, and then you feel ashamed. It's a, it's a, it's a, right, it's a felt awareness more than a conscious knowledge. I, I think people often experience it as being ugly. Okay, and then does that, then you feel it then because you're in comparison, you're comparing yourself to others, or how do you know to feel shameful about that deficit? You know, I think it's, it, is a kind, it is a kind of comparison. It's something you feel in comparison to other people when you're in social situations. But a lot of it isn't felt, a lot of it's defended against. It's, you know, to try and ward off the shame, and that's where narcissism comes in. Narcissism, primary defense against shame. That's interesting. That's more defended against than felt. Right. So is there a difference between shame and embarrassment in your eyes? You know, I think so. I think um, embarrassment might have to do with something like a, a particular incident that happened, like I'm embarrassed because I forgot your birthday. Shame is more about, like, who you are, like it's, felt to be intrinsic to your nature. Got it. Okay. And are, and so then your answer, I guess, would be if two people are feeling different amounts of shame about an incident, it's really based on those types of where they came from and whether they had that, you know, innate deficit you discussed and you're writing about. And, you know, it's a whole of where we came from, like the sum of where we came from. And that's what then makes it different for two people to feel different amounts of shame? Is that exactly true? like, you know, you might, you might forget someone's birthday and say, oh, sh I'm really sorry. And, right. you know, you'll go on five minutes later. And, and I might think, oh, my God, I forgot your birthday and feel like, you know, like searing shame, like I've done the most awful thing and I'm a horrible person. Right. And that could come from simply a parent having a fit when their kid did it before and that's just the traumatic experience they feel and that's the scar or it could come from just you know feeling like you're defective because of the those early deficits and that kind of like everything you do is just terribly okay. wrong got it let's take a voice and then we'll come back to this sure. Hold on. hi uh i just had a question about sort of the value of using shame in teaching um children certain lessons so i read an article recently about um, how the, um, I guess, feeling of shame and the experience of it um, is often tied to or correlated with um, higher chance for depression and um, addiction. Uh, but I'm wondering, you know, is using shame as sort of a tool for discipline or teaching ever really valuable? You know, I teach in elementary school and if um, making someone, making one of the children feel like deliberately harming someone else is a shameful thing, you know, teaching them that they should feel bad about themselves doing that is going to deter them from doing that in the future. So you feel that it's ever really a valuable uh, emotion for people to experience 
um, or if it's better to really just avoid it altogether. Hmm. Thanks so much. Interesting. Sure, that's a really Interesting. great question. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I don't think it's of value because it too easily becomes humiliation, especially if it's done in front of the other students. I think a more fruitful approach in that case would be to try and help the child to empathize with the other person they hurt, to understand what it felt like to be in that position so that the empathy they feel for the other person's suffering would, would bring about a kind of a natural or normal shame themselves without inflicting it on them. Interesting, interesting. All right, let's do another uh, voicemail. Hi, Dr. Sophie. My name is Casey. I'm calling from L.A. Um, you know, I'm self-admittedly a huge celebrity follower, as embarrassing as that is, but mm. I do have um, sort of a qualm. I never totally believe in certain public apologies that these high-profile celebrities make. Um, you know, in particular, I think about Tiger Woods, um, and how I definitely don't believe him, and obviously, you know, his case is is very high profile. But then, you know, going down even to Reese Witherspoon and her recent apology, I just, you know, I'm wondering if there's any way that we can tell if they're actually sorry, um, or if their publicist sort of, if their team tells them that, you know, what becomes an issue and that they need to apologize. Um so, you know, I guess my question is, what makes a sincere apology? How can we tell if we can at all? So thanks for listening, and I look forward to hearing your response. That's, a, that's pretty interesting. So I guess she's really asking, if somebody is truly shameful, how does that translate into an apology or, or not? You know, I think it's, it's, we know intuitively it's a felt awareness. I mean, I, I wrote about this with Lance Armstrong and his apology. And I think everybody felt, listening to him on the Oprah interview, that he was completely without any remorse. You know, there was no, nothing came across. Right. Um, and I think that that's, I think with these celebrities, they do have publicists are totally engaged in image management or advising them about issuing the appropriate public apology. But, you know, it doesn't feel real. Doesn't why, though? true. Why? I mean, many people have that same opinion, but why? I mean, is I it... Think, I think it's because these people, there's so much narcissism involved in their, in their you know, public persona that what they really regret is getting caught. They don't really, you know, they don't really care that they hurt other people. They just, they're sorry that they got caught. Right. And so that translates back to little or no shame. Right, exactly. And little or no shame comes, is that a good thing to not feel shame then? I don't know. I mean, I would think that, that you know, Reese Witherspoon should feel pretty ashamed of her behavior, but I don't know that she actually does. I think, you know, shame is a, shame is a useful thing as long as it's not inflicted on us in a humiliating way. To feel shame kind of puts us in our place in a way, teaches us our limits, controls our, our egoism. Right. But you do agree that there should be some remorse, shame, empathy, sympathy, something felt I do. when someone yeah. does something that offends others. Oh, yeah. I think I actually think shame, there are some really healthy, good aspects. of shame. Yeah, that's my real question. Are there some healthy and good, useful places for shame in our lives? You know, I, I do think there are. I think, like I said, shame helps us to keep our narcissism in check. It, it teaches us about... Um, keeping certain things private that shouldn't be made public. Um, 
you know, there's just so much overexposure of people's emotional and sexual lives these days, and it, it feels like it degrades everything. And a kind of appropriate shame would teach you to keep things hidden. Right. So it, there is a role for it. Uh, absolutely. But it can go to the other side. And, and so often it does become... It does become toxic, and then it also becomes really, it really becomes dangerous for people who are, are victims of social shaming. Right. You know? I want to read you um, an email. Andrew from New York is asking, I have a roommate who never seems to feel sorry or shameful about anything. Why? Is he a sociopath? Is he a narcissist? I don't want him to feel too bad, but a little remorse at times would seem appropriate and allow the situation to resolve quicker. What do you think? You know, it's, you know, just if on face value, it sounds pretty narcissistic, you know, and, and the, the kind of lack of shame or empathy or any sense that you've injured anybody else, that's kind of one of the hallmarks of antisocial behavior. So, yeah, that sounds like trouble. Right, because though they don't have to feel horrendously guilty or shameful and fall to the floor, there should be a balance of some empathy and sympathy. Absolutely. Okay. And so would you say the same thing about parenting, that there is no real role for shame in there, but there is a role for establishing and teaching children how to be empathetic and sympathetic? Uh, absolutely. Good. Okay. Um, so tell me, where do I find you? Where do you find me? Well, I, um, you've uh, given me my web address. Yeah, give me it all. Afterpsychotherapy.com. Okay. Um, and I practice by Skype, but I live in North Carolina most of the time, but in Colorado in the summer. Very nice. And um, and I, if I do, if you don't mind my just pitching something, Please. I just released a new a new novella on the Kindle platform. It's Cinderella: A Tale of Narcissism and Self Harm. Wow. And it explores. It really looks at how Cinderella would have grown up, really grown up, if she lived in a family of people who hated and abused her. Yeah. And it explores shame as one of its big themes. Shame and narcissism. It's a lot about self-injury. That is so cool. Where do we get that? It's on Amazon. Amazon. You just search Cinderella Burgo, B-U-R-G-O. You'll all come up. It's two ninety-nine. It's a it's a novella length. About 75 pages. Love it. We're going to get that. Thank you so much for your time, your expertise. And really, this work you're doing is very helpful. A lot goes into parenting. And if parents know this kind of stuff ahead of time, you know the outcome is going to be better for a child. You bet. And thanks. It was a real pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Wow. That was interesting. Shame, shame, shame. It's many pieces to it. And there is not a lot of places for it. So interesting. All right, so we learned shame. It's really an individual thing. It's not something we all generally feel the same amount of, and it really is individual. I think we also learned today that there are many, well, three different types of shame, and Dr. Burgo helped us figure that out. There's toxic shame from uh, just our parenting and the style with which we were or were not parented. There's social shame, which comes from just the way that you know society looks at different things. And then there's a shame that is more of a, an awareness, and it's a felt awareness that when you realize you're not flowing with things, that you're now shameful because you realize something isn't right about the way either your life went before that or how you're handling yourself. So those are the three basic kinds of shame he talks about. We also learned about shame not having a role in parenting, but teaching your children how to be empathetic and sympathetic is the flip side of that that should have a role in parenting and then we also learned a lot about keeping shame 
and the things that it does to a minimum because if we don't deal with shame appropriately, it will take us into a place where we don't move forward and really don't feel good about anything that we do. So keeping it in check, not having it play its role in parenting, but flipping it to teaching children how to be sympathetic and empathetic, knowing the types and knowing that each one of us feels it on an individual basis are the key things to have learned from today because shame is a really toxic thing if it's not handled well. And it doesn't allow us to really ever get to the true feelings of empathy and sympathy for others, which is really where we need to be to have a community that works and to have children who learn how to handle themselves and to understand how other people feel, which will then curtail some of the behaviors that we probably have been seeing over the last several years. So all of my podcasts are on my website, www.drsophie.com. You can always find me 1-855-767-4966 or 1-855-SOPHIE-NOW. I'm on iTunes. Get that downloaded free phone app. It's called On Call. There's a ton of information in there. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Visit iTunes to download the full version of Andy Grammer's Keep Your Head Up. And the most important thing is don't forget to sweep. But you got to keep your head up. Oh, and you can let your head down. Hey.